Clay, I have a lot of questions about this episode, but what's with the, the dog? What's with the guy named dog? <laughs> is, is the dog a product of divorce? Is that what's going on in that <laughs> scene? Why is she sad to be handing it off to that guy that she calls Uncle Ray or something like that? I guess you can't take dogs with you if you're leaving the planet. Is that what it was about? I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe she. Maybe the dog comes with the, the with bar. The bar. <laughs> <laughs> I I know why the dog is there is because Patrick Stewart has a, like a hard on for rescuing pit bulls and he has to have a dog right. and everything he does at this point. But I didn't right. understand. Were they an, an ex couple? Was that her like ex husband that was showing up to get no the dog? Idea. I didn't. I no didn't get idea. anything about it. I, I was. I was. I was hoping they would touch on it because nothing really gets my goat more the more than like trying to use this dog <laughs> as some kind of, some kind of stand-in tool for getting the point of their story across. Well, but no idea. most most listeners don't realize you briefly went to law school where you majored in dog custody law. That's right, and this episode so. doesn't deal with the nuance of that incredibly deep field. No, and no. <laughs> see, you know, it knows. This show knows when it's touching a really uh, a deep, nuanced topic, and it just backs off. It really doesn't take a swing for something that maybe, maybe it's out of its depth trying to cover, <laughs> like like dog custody. Dog custody is a terrible, brutal subject. There's a lot of subreddits about men's rights activists talking about their dog rights that aren't being respected <laughs> in court, which I understand here because that guy didn't get a single line. And Guinan was drunken with a shotgun, and no one's questioning her parenting ability about that dog. <laughs> so, let's get to this episode, which is called. Sorry, sorry. I uh, is this the second? This is the second episode we've done this week where whether or not a dog likes you is a pivotal plot point. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because we're doing ex post facto in Voyager. We, yes. we recorded that earlier. There we go. There's some. There's some. If anyone's on the Patreon and not listening to the public feed, you can go listen to the, the Voyager episodes that we're covering at this point. Let's talk about this episode called Activism, Activ- <laughs> Activism, written by Alexandra, what's her name? Ocasio-Cortez, Greta Thunberg, <laughs> directed by Ibram X. Kendi. In this episode, a bunch of people talk shit about stuff they don't really understand, but it's actually called Watcher. Came out on March twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two. It's the fourth episode of Star Trek Picard's second season. Teleplay goes to Juliana James and Jane Mags. Story story credit goes to Travis Fickett and Julia James. The names are just getting silly in these things. Directed by Leah Thompson. In universe date April twelfth, twenty twenty four. We got three days. The after show is called Watcher. In this episode called Watcher. With time running out to save the future, Picard takes matters into his own hands and seeks out an old friend for help. Meanwhile, Rios ends up on the wrong side of the law, and Gerardi makes a deal with the Borg Queen. I don't really like these log lines that the Picard show has, uh, but I don't know what else they could really say about this one. Do you not like them because the log lines are more interesting than the actual show? They Well, they're like a simplified version. Like It literally explains what happens in the show, mm-hmm. but they, they don't really have anywhere else to go with it. Um, right. I don't know. It's one of those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. What would you think of Watcher? Um, I thought this episode was awful. Mm. Uh, it's I we're four episodes into this. Is this the fourth episode? This is or the fourth fifth episode. Fourth. 
Um, this is another episode of our principal cast trying to find each other and not actually doing anything. And I, I just don't, this just felt like such a waste of time. And also I, I usually don't go to bat too hard against, uh, shows being uh capital a capital s about something mm. but uh especially oh star trek oh boy this this is <laughs> I, I, this is so usually when science fiction is used to be a, a quote unquote about something um there's some science fiction involved and not just your principal characters standing around in the present talking about how awful everything is <laughs> and i don't our like future, what's clay the, it's our future it's it's literally next year mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I i don't know i don't know like the first of all i don't even know where to start with this because like uh, one i think the principal worst part about this is that Guinan is apparently like every other character on this show now an angry drunk yes who thinks that 2024 in america is the the, the worst the worst year. the worst <laughs> moment in human history and she's been alive for a thousand years <laughs> like come on <laughs> it's awful it's so terrible i it's you know like like i I know what what she's lived I through horrendous about, things in this planet. Yeah. She lived through COVID, which happened a couple of years ago in this right. This planet. <laughs> she lived through the first and second world wars. She yep. lived through civil rights, movement. Uh, the civil war, yep. the civil rights movement. I don't know how long she's been on Earth, but a lot of terrible shit. Was she around for the Black Plague? Well, she was, was here for. I, we're going to run into questions. She was here with Mark Twain, right? In TNG. Right. Yes. Yeah. So she's been here for a long time. And it's just, uh, I I don't, like, I, they're doing a lot of call. This is the episode that I said the most callbacks to Star Trek Four, And this is, uh, Star Trek Four is a pretty uh, hip-politic, lefty-leaning movie. And I'm not saying that as a negative thing, but mm-hmm. it's just, that's just, it's a movie literally about going back to save the whales, which is such a... Uh, a, a green a pop- metaphor. Yeah, such a, a pop uh, social cause of the time that it became just like kind of like a joke, essentially, like it yep. became a punchline. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't bother me that they're delving into stuff like that, but Jesus Christ, at least Star Trek Four had something to say about it and did something fun with it instead of just having Spock and Kirk stand around talking about how much everything sucked. Yeah. I don't know. I just... It's it's really hard for me to find much redeeming about this episode. Just from just from like not even not even like politically, because I'm I'm not even taking like a stance on the politics of the episode. Yeah, it's just poorly done fiction is what it is. Yeah, like it's just standing around saying stuff about like it, it's the worst kind of ham fisted. It's not even a metaphor. It's just literalism. Yes. Yep. And it's just, I don't really know what you're supposed to come away from from this episode. 
I didn't like. And it. that's not even talking about the time travel bullshit, which I I have been thinking about the time travel plot all day, and I would like to talk about for a little bit. Yeah. at some point we can probably get to it. The second half is probably. I think a good orientation would be the first half to deal with like the substance, and the second half is like the structure of what's going on here, mm-hmm. because uh, that's what people are talking about on the Discord mostly. Um, and we can save that for the second part. My um. My, excuse me, my thing about this one is that the, the, big, the big issue that these modern Trek shows and Picard in particular seems to have is that, like, I don't even really know where to start this. So the, 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 character, the, the characters in this show are written in a way that's like what I consider to be a cardinal sin of writing something, which is that mm-hmm. the characters are written in a way that they have no connection to the universe that they're supposed to inhabit, right? So mm-hmm. these characters are from the 24th and 25th century, and they are well in the future. When they come back to our time, a nurse comes up to him and says, they're like, where's our friend? And a nurse comes up and she says, Ice took him away. You're never going to see him again. No one goes, what the fuck is ice? Right? right. Like no one right. no one is surprised or like questioning about what the hell is going on in this time because they're from 300, 400 years in the future. They should have no connection to what's going on here. It would be like it would be like you being familiar with like medieval era like feudalism acronyms. Right. Like you right. would have no idea what you what they're talking about. And here it's just taken for granted because of how preachy and stupid and like profoundly stupid this episode is that when they go back and they want to make their little political statement about it, the characters don't even react in a reasonable way for the way that they're set up to supposed to be. So all it is, is just this modern, um, incredibly progressive, profoundly stupid outlook on complicated issues that is like insulting to you as a viewer, because this is like, the most childish, stupid content that I think I've seen in a long time across all of this I, stuff. I don't even want to say it's progressive because I think that's insulting to actual people who I th- hold progressive views. I think it's progressive activism. I think it's a lot of slogans and a lot of like Twitter sure, stuff. Sure, yeah. It, what, you know, so there's a movie, I'm sure there's more than one, uh, from a couple of years ago, a Kevin Sorbo movie mm. that is Famously essentially... Famously right-wing actor. Yes, famously yeah. right-wing actor. That is essentially the movie Red Dawn, as if Red Dawn wasn't right-wing enough. Yep. But instead of the Russians, it's Antifa mobilizing Mm -hmm. and, like, taking over a town in Midwestern Kansas or some shit. Yes. It's ludicrous. (coughs) It is... This is the same amount of ludicrous as that. Like, it has the same amount of understanding of what it's talking about and the position that it's holding. And it's, it's just... Yeah, it's just really. I, I, I find it embarrassing for Star Trek that they are covering, not that they're covering this stuff, because sure, you can cover this stuff if you want. Yeah. But the way they've chosen to do it is just bad. It's just bad. <laughs> it is embarrassing. I mean, and it's tough because when you, when you, when you talk about this stuff, I always feel that. Like the discussion is so splintered that if you start complaining about left leftist politics, people assume your politics are extreme in the other direction about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always feel that that's not the case. But like I, I would know I would 
ra- I would no rather watch like a Ted Cruz version of Star Trek than I would watch this trash. Right. Like right. it's just this. It's an ideological, unthinking, slogan-based nonsense show where I'm like I'm kind of wrong in that last week I was like I wonder if they're going to actually touch on any of these subjects I was surprised that they came back to it so hard but I I'm also kind of right in that I still don't think they're ever going to talk about it really you know it's right. they're just yeah. going to give you more examples of it and I think that that's the biggest the biggest flaw to me is that the characters aren't there's no charm of voyage home here because the characters don't act like Star Trek characters in our own time being surprised by stuff. No. They act like uh, I, normal people. I said it last week or possibly the week before. They need Elnor in this cast to make mm. it at, at, in any way charming because everybody else is too cool. Right. They all show up in the 21st century. They know how to do everything. They're cooler. than Like, that's that's where the charm comes from is, yeah, they're from an advanced future, but like you said, I'm from an advanced future. If you put me back into the year 1300, <laughs> right, doesn't yep. help me for shit. You know, no, <laughs> you, still, you'd, you'd have a lot of. I'm questions. still going to get the plague or an axe in the face relatively quickly. It doesn't yep. help me. Yeah, and I think the other big thing for me is that the show increasingly feels to me as though it's written by an algorithm, where the only mm-hmm. parameters are you have to fit 55 Star Trek references in a 44 minutes episode. Go, and it has mm-hmm. no. It has no other drive than to do that. And so when I read things like Trek Corps Review, which is like ejaculating all over itself because of all the references to stuff that's happened before, I look at it and I go, a good example of this is the punk on the bus, right? Which is Mm -hmm. a callback to Voyage Home. There are no longer punks who listen to boomboxes on buses. This right. doesn't happen. This is in Voyage Home. They went to the 80s when this shit happened because punk was a big thing in the 80s in that era, in the Bay Area and stuff like that. Yeah. It made sense that there is a punk on a bus listening to a stereo. It makes no sense except to be this like masturbatory reference that the same actor is here looking exactly the same except looking fatter. And like that's it's just you know, so breaking of the reality of the show. <clears throat> It's see that's a that's a really good example of of what's lazy about this show because like that's a fine reference to make but as it ha- as it happened I kind of chuckled for a bit and then I thought about it and I was like what a fucking that's the laziest way they could have possibly done that they didn't like, update him right why why don't you have the same guy play like a clean cut businessman right because he's now grown up and With he's doing the same thing he's doing the same thing listening to that song but he's listening to it on his phone turned up really mm-hmm. loud because mm-hmm. that's something people actually do yeah you know like that that then you're at least putting a spin on it that's kind of clever instead of what they did which is just him being like oh yeah sorry hasn't changed sorry he's the same person he is not oh, so double dumbass on me i'm sorry yeah <laughs> that's the I just I don't feel that the show really respects itself or its content in a way that it attempts to make anything feel realistic. And I think like the I, I'm just drowning in metaphors. Like the when Picard is in his chateau and he's talking to this, she's like, "What happened to your family?" He's like, "Oh, we went to England," which is like kind of a cute joke, but it's like, all right, well, yeah. Yeah, they I, answered they answered the long the the largest looming question of all Star Trek, which is, why does Picard have an English accent right. and a French name? 
<laughs> and they did it in, I don't know, he's talking about the hidden tunnels or whatever. And, you know, the, the other big example that everyone's been picking on, and then we can go to something else, is just that what is the level of coincidence that Guinan works at various 10 forwards before? <laughs> before it's the same place. It's the same place. It's the same fucking bar. It's been the, there the for previous 300 timeline. years. Yes. Yeah. But, but, and then to, so it's more a coincidence that she ends up on a starship that has a bar in its 10th deck on the right. forward part of the yes. ship than it is the other way around that she named the bar after the, her experience there. Or yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Bizarre. Like, yeah. Yes. I. <laughs> What did you think of this Guinan, this version of Guinan? I thought it was terrible. I thought they took one of my most beloved characters and just shot her in the face, basically. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like it for a number of reasons. Uh, she's just... I, I can't really talk about that without getting into some of the time travel stuff. But sure. uh, I actually... I thought the actress was pretty good. Like, I thought she kind of had... A, she sounded like Whoopi a bit. Yeah, she's, and I was, she's fine. I was, I was trying to think, like, why didn't they just do... Well, I mean, you can only do so much of that de-aging stuff before you'd get, you get Brent Spinered by it all. Yes. But uh, um, I, I have this... I have a theory that the reason that they so blatantly... That's not the right word, but... Uh, gratuitously recast Guinan is that she's going to show up in one of the other shows. Uh, one of in, the other Star Trek shows. Yeah. In like in strange new worlds or something. Oh, as a younger version of herself. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I don't know. Like I said, I, if she, she's a thousand years old and from a different fucking planet and she has zero perspective. Yes on yeah. her thing her, her society got wiped out by the borg that was not the worst yeah. thing that's ever <laughs> right and i mean like you know even in human even as far as humanity goes she, she was around in the 1800s mm-hmm. she knows objectively that it's better than it was that's <laughs> not true 20 whatever happens in 2024 is going to be, be bad that's the that's my argument against like you know progressive politics or whatever but this thing that's infected progressive politics which is that like now is the worst time that's ever happened is Mm -hmm. absurd on its face it's just like it's yes you can talk about problems that need to be fixed and things aren't always fair and things aren't always good and there's solutions to problems that have been minimized in a long like a huge way since the 60s and the 50s and before that and everything but to act to just make that claim is absurd it like you see it insinuated but to see a character actually voice that opinion it it makes them seem like they're deranged there's no there's no reality there and i guess what the problem is that i'm not sure what the reality is anymore because the more people are talking on discord about the time shenanigans here the less i understand as to why we're making all these jumps that are happening when Mm -hmm. I think it's undermining the narrative, really. So if you wanted to get into your take about the time travel stuff, and then we can kind of finish off with random other topics. But like, I'm, I guess my point about the time travel is that I feel like they're jumping too much and it's making me lose track of where we are and what is supposed to matter and what's supposed to be happening. Yes. Yeah. It's too, it, they're doing too much stuff and it's too complicated. And, you know, kind of so segueing into the time travel stuff, the big thing that everybody's pointing out is that 
Guinan should know Picard at this point because they interacted in Time's Arrow, right? Right, and the time divergence has not happened yet. <clears throat> yes, and uh, the apparent explanation for why she doesn't know him, I, I have another thought about that, which I don't like, but the apparent explanation for why she doesn't know him <clears throat> is that because they are... <laughs> They are in the 2024 of the alternate timeline in which we eventually turn into the Confederation. So Picard never would have gone back to the 1800s to meet her. Right. That, that's so, what the showrunner's argument did is. They, yeah. Did they explicitly say that? Is, did that come directly from the showrunners? He, he has a quote on Trek Core about it. Okay. I can if you want to go, I'll look it up and I can I can tell you what exactly what he said. Okay. I was thinking so I'm I'm trying to make sense of this because by back to the future 2 logic that doesn't make any sense. Because there you go. sorry, do you want this here? Yeah, <clears throat> hit me with the full quote. Terry Metalis is the showrunner currently. He says this Guinan wouldn't remember Picard because in this alternate timeline, the TNG episode Time's Arrow never happened. Because there was no Federation, those events did not play out the same. No previous relationship exists. However, she was still she was still was likely traveling to Earth, and as we know, she hung around a bit. So this Guinan is different. But she, of course, can sense something is off. She's going through a kind of time sickness thanks to Q's meddling with the timeline. Okay, so if we are to believe that, right... What is the end game for this story? Because in saying that, that means that the future never happens. So how can you fix a future that doesn't happen? So yeah, if if we can reset this, what what I'm <clears throat> what I think the problem is is that they're using the word divergence to explain the split that happens, and mm-hmm. a divergence implies that there are two paths coming off of you, right? Mm-hmm. So the moment is the moment that our single timeline splits into multiple timelines at that point. Right. What the show is saying is that when Picard jumped from the prime timeline into the alternate future, the, the alternate version of like the Confederation, yep. he was not going into an alternate parallel timeline. The original timeline is essentially destroyed at that point. Right. And right. so instead of showing that in a yesterday's enterprise way where the present becomes the alternate timeline, they've given us this implication that there are now multiple timelines running, but apparently there's only one. And by going back before the divergence, everything has been changed in this timeline, right. even though the timeline should, in my mind, be the same until the point in time where the, the split happens. Yes, because, yeah, if you're going by Back to the Future 2 logic, right, you've got Marty goes to the future from 1985. Future Biff steals the almanac and travels back to 1955, which changes his future. Yep. Marty returns to 1985, finding that his present has turned into a dystopia, so Marty has to travel back before the timeline split to stop the timeline split. But in doing that, Marty still witnesses the events of the first movie, which still happened because they occurred before the timeline split. Right. So that that tracks. <clears throat> What's going on here seems to be, I, I've been thinking about this, and so yeah, what I've my conclusion is um, that it's not it's not a it's not a timeline thing. It's a lateral move from Q, 
Uh, so it's basically a separate, as you're saying, it's kind of like a, a, a completely separate universe, if you will. I guess it would have, it's not really a timeline. It's more of like a universe. Yes. Um, but what it implies to me is that Picard in the past, his actions actually caused the split and it's somehow related to the Stargazer stuff. So basically, like, my my current working theory is that part of stopping the split is sending, like, Girardi slash the Borg Queen into the future to complete their thing. Yeah. And when Picard blew everything up, he stopped that from happening, thus creating this new timeline, if that makes sense. So, so that, basically, does like, that become well, the divergence that Q was talking about? Yeah, it's it's like a double divergence sort of. So like the the moment so essentially if, if we're looking at it from 2024's point of view. Yeah. Uh whatever they're doing to stop the divergence is going to need to involve sending Gerardi or the Borg into the future. Right. To complete the thing. And since she isn't allowed to complete the circuit because Picard blows everything up, their their plan in the past fails and so the divergence happens and it turns into the alternate the the evil timeline that would make sense but even because yeah it's like girardi could just tell them when she shows up as the board queen not to do something and then yeah that seems in in line with like the writing of the show really yeah but it's just like logically i'm trying to figure out how this all tracks because like it's it, it it feels like they're doing a sort of um all good things riff where ultimately Picard has to find out that he is the person causing the rift somehow, because otherwise I don't know what they're trying to stop and how stopping that would save the future. Right. You know what I mean? This is all, this all gets really jumbled and which is why I don't like that they're doing this because if you have to have, if you have to have your showrunner put out a statement explaining why these characters don't know each other. Yeah. I feel like you're not doing something right because either way is my, the other half of that that I hate is that regardless when he comes into 10 forward, he should react as though Guinan knows him. He should be like Guinan. Remember? I know it's been a long time, but Alorians have long memories. The last time we saw each other was in 1885 or whatever. And then she's like, I don't know who you are guy. Get out of there here. And he's like, Oh gee, like he should come to that realization. But the question, does the character of Picard know what has happened to the timelines in a way that we did not realize this happened? Or the universes? You know what I mean? Um, Is the character of Picard written with the point of view of the showrunner here where Picard oh, recognizes saying. that this is not the Guinan he knew? I don't know. I don't think it matters because like, <laughs> eventually he says, I'm from the future, 400 years in the future. We're going to be really good friends mm. one day. It's like, okay, well... That timeline won't happen regardless <coughs> right. at this yeah. point. You know, you've already fucked things up. Right. Like, why yeah. Why are you... What's? Why are you worried about butterfly effect stuff if the future is now completely unwritten? And, like, the only the only thing that you could do... What, you, I would try to change... It would be like Homer in that... In the back... The goes back in time thing where he just starts smashing everything right. in the dinosaur. Yeah. Just trying to get back to the right future. Because, like, if you if you don't fuck with everything, then it's going to turn into the dystopian future anyway. Like, I think, I just think that the, the goal here is very unclear as to, it, it seems simple when they're like, oh, we have to stop the divergence. 
but four episodes in, I have no idea what that means. They seem to not really fucking care about it because they're doing all sorts of other shit. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just really hard for me to, to grasp onto something and like really care about this and the muddled, overly complex time travel mechanic that no one has really ever explained makes it that much more difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree that I think that the time travel is muddled. What the, To me, the biggest issue is just that that initial jump from our prime universe into the alternate universe, which at that point is not alternate. It's, it is the universe that they're right. living in. And by having them jump to it, it makes it seem unclear as to where you are and whether or not you whether or not their goal is just to get back to the prime timeline or if they're trying to actually like save another universe from happening right and yeah calling it a divergence is bad right it's not a divergence it's a like a switch or something at that point you have it's it's not a, a like a slight change in one direction um i, I don't know i the reason the reason it hangs me up is I don't know if I find it in some ways to be a distraction, really. Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand yeah. people want to want to talk about it, and, and it's frustrating and sort of silly, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And on a plot level, it's fascinating and how confusing it can be. But I feel that these shows focus so hard on this stuff that it eventually a never really makes much sense, and b everything else is cast aside to try to make you think that they're clever for this stuff Mm -hmm. and i don't know i i just i get hung up on 90 the first 95 percent of this episode is characters running around saying nonsense and having sort of nonsense sequences with each other and not getting anywhere there's no ground that's being gained i'm not sure like maybe the most interesting thing that happens is the board queen and Girardi, but i'm Mm -hmm. not even like even on a successful thing in that it's maintaining my interest like the board queen and Girardi. unless if the show the only reason why it seems that Girardi is a match for the board queen and that assimilation means something to her is that the show has to explicitly come out and tell me that she's lonely there's no the show never hints at loneliness right it's just mm-hmm. like the queen goes you're a very lonely character she says i am lonely and the queen goes well you know what's not lonely the borg and she goes, oh, that's yeah. interesting. I would like to not be lonely. But I've never, there's never been a scene of Girardi being lonely, you know? There's no time right. for that stuff. And Well, it, I mean, she does spend half the episode by herself. But <laughs> it's one. not, it's, she's, it's like, I, I, if I, if they had not said that, I wouldn't call her lonely. I would call her awkward more than anything, mm-hmm. right? Sure, like, there's sure. a difference there. And she's got, she's got her friends close by and stuff like that it just strikes me as weird but i still think that's the most successful version or story because i don't really care about what rios is going through i think the rios character is kind of a fun character but i don't care for this ice storyline i don't care for seven and rafi saying some of the worst fucking dialogue i've ever heard as they're driving around in a police car Uh, can we talk about that police car thing for mm -hmm. a minute because as it was start as it was happening i was thinking to myself what why are they driving like this? They are shooting this as as though they are being chased, and they are not being chased by anybody. They're going it's to a car a one-way, one-way yeah, street. Yeah, it's a car chase with nobody chasing them. Yeah, I think the I th- the, I feel like they must have realized how it played 
<clears throat> as they were cutting it together or something, because I think there's an ADR radio thing that comes in and it's like a police car seen driving the wrong way, like mm-hmm. implying that there are other cars now after them. Right. But you don't see any of them. And so you've you've got them, you know, it's like it's like if you're watching two people on stage doing a a, a script reading of a car chase scene. And yeah. It's like just there are two people in the, the car going, Wah! but there's no other cars because obviously you're watching on stage. <clears throat> but it's just, yeah, they're just Terrible. shouting bullshit and it's, uh, what's his name? Rios was an hour away when they started and they managed to get there in like 15 minutes. <laughs> it, like there's so much stuff like that. Like my the thing that sums up this whole episode for me is during that car chase sequence, uh, Rafi gets in contact with Gerardi and she says, where's Picard? And Gerardi goes, I don't know. And then changes the subject. She just teleported him <laughs> to exact <laughs> coordinates like yes. three minutes ago. Yeah. She knows exactly where he is. She knows exactly where he is. <laughs> yeah. And unless unless she's doing that as a smoke screen because she's influ- influenced by the queen or something, but they didn't, they didn't make that clear, so I'm going to say that's not what's happening. It just seems like really cliched action scene writing that isn't really taking into account what the actual action is. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. No, that, I, I think that's that's like the fundamental... There's just a deep disconnect between what the characters do and what I'm supposed to think is the motivation for them to do it in the show. And I don't really understand why anybody does any of the things that they're they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone else on the, on the Discord pointed out that uh, Girardi managed to teleport three of the crew members from, or four of the crew members from France to downtown LA with pretty good accuracy. Yeah. But uh, they don't have enough power to get the radio working. Uh, yeah. So they, they could talk they, to each other <laughs> <laughs> or the heater. They, I think they say the heater is not working in the, the opening yeah. bits or something like that. Yep. Yep. I, and we, well, did, I mean, we number, did learn. Sorry, go ahead. Well, we learned that home in the second episode, which they couldn't show us for some reason, is they landed in France, and they right. just couldn't tell us that for whatever reason in the earlier episode. But it's it's important that they landed there because the number fifteen is everywhere, and that Jesus fucking. Do you want to? <laughs> Do you want to talk about when that? She, when she starts saying, when he starts pointing out the number fifteen, and they're like, "What could it mean?" and she's like, "I don't know." 15 hours and he's like no it's too vague that's that's too vague maybe it's 15 the date yes much more specific what the fuck guys it's (laughs) it's too vague it's um it is brilliant brilliant writing there um i was i was actually it's like a it's a small tangent but i was there's a um a band that I've gotten into very hard recently and I think is one of my favorite bands, uh, but I only learned about them recently is, is wire. And they have a, they have a song called the 15th. And I was thinking of the podcast. Uh, I was like, well, I'm going to open this with a little joke about like clay. This episode kind of sucked, but they talked about the 15th, which is a great song. (laughs) I'd like to rather talk about that. But then I spent the day, um, listen to the album and the song and the song is actually appropriate for Picard in a weird way because it's about um, sort of working yourselves into thinking something is real but then when you actually look at it it's not real at all and mm. 
it was just a, it was a weird anyway i'm just gonna I'll, I'll probably play the song out at the end of this episode but i thought i thought it was a neat little uh connection to it and if i have anything to say about this episode is that once i started thinking about the 15th I started thinking about other things outside of this episode and it made me, um, the positives from this episode are not uh, related to this episode, but the things I was thinking outside of it. So it made me think about just to bring it back to where we were at the start. Um, coincidentally, because the band is wire, I started thinking about the HBO show wire by David Mm -hmm. Simon. And I just think that there's a, a huge difference there where, David, I know why. I know that the, the Wire is one of the greatest TV shows of all time, and Harold and everything. And Star Trek Card is most certainly not. Even some of the best Star Trek is not anywhere near what the Wire is. But David Simon has politics. David Simon is on Twitter, and you can follow him. You can read his uh, things that he's written, and you can understand his personal politics. The Wire is appealing to any political stripe of person watching. Mm-hmm. Right? David Simon has a point of view. But his creative arts and his writing does a better job of showing a reality that every political stripe will accept as a kind of reality and you can learn something from it. And you can either agree with it or you can disagree or you can think that there's something interesting about the way that it's put here or you can see a flaw. Two people of different political opinions can see the same scene in The Wire and view it differently from what it Mm -hmm. is. But it never Mm -hmm. feels like it's not real in that universe. And I think that that's why it's such a successful show. Star Trek Picard is the opposite of that. And it's, it's why the writing is so terrible in this show is because it does not build a real universe. It's not trying to do that. It's not trying to have a reality where there was that video in the discord, the little platoon, I think is the YouTube channel. He made a good video about how old Star Trek, when it did politics, it usually just embraced a sort of common humanity aspect of it. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't like this explicit political thing. You know, they're not bringing on like Nixon or something to to guest star on on an episode. It was about a, you know, in that TOS episode where there's the black and white face guys and it's about uh, bigotry and stuff like that based on the color of your skin. It, It made the common point that, it's silly to do that and it shows how racism and sort of like a prejudice based on color of skin is kind of a nonsensical thing by extrapolating it to a Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. And the the wire does the same thing. It it it, it assumes that the viewer is intelligent and kind of track what they want to do and they don't have to explicitly make a point about something. This show, written by Pulitzer Prize winners and Oscar winners, is so fucking stupid it's stupid it's it's just astoundingly stupid and i think that little platoon video is actually kind of dead on and that they've they've changed their goal to become more of an explicit mouthpiece for something instead of trying to embrace a like a human values thing which is what star trek kind of used to believe in more than specific politics yeah it's and i mean at its best really not only does it it play it play things in more a humanist level, but it does push back on certain things. Like that's what's so appealing about Deep Space Nine is that you've it is a direct reaction to this idea of this utopian future, right? Yeah. And it's really it's really pressing on that and and putting 
certain elements to of that idea to the test um, in ways that are not always pleasant for for the people involved or even for the viewer in some some cases and that's what is severely missing from this uh because the the show is too concerned with their characters being right yeah and looking cool like the the most depth as i was joking about before but it's really kind of true the most depth and like grit that these characters on these shows have is that they drink a lot and they don't have sleeves. <laughs> like the scene where he goes to meet where he where he meets where Picard meets Guinan is like almost exactly the same as the scene in the first season where he goes to meet Raffi, where she's yeah. sitting getting drunk, smoking shit, and she's not wearing sleeves. And I mean, honestly, <laughs> honestly, I wouldn't put sleeves on that woman either. Her, the guy, the new guy in it is fucking jacked. <laughs> she should show off her arms all the time. Should be but, body slamming Q in no time, yeah. Yeah, but it's like take the Rios stuff, right? What is anyone learning from any of this? The character of Rios is learning nothing. Like he does not come into. Think of think of the first two episodes as a really long cold open for the show, right? Yep. Traditionally, that's where you kind of plant the seeds of what the what the show is going to be about, and you take a character who has a certain point of view, and you put him to a situation where that point of view is challenged. Right. Rios has no point of view whatsoever, and he's being put into this situation only to show the the audience that oh immigration laws are bad yeah he's not learning anything from it's not like he he has no he's brought nothing into this to learn or change from the story he is just being a part of it and i'm sure you know at the end it'll be like well you know people are people no matter where they are it's like yeah obviously sure but like what there's no your your character is not changing or learning from any of this stuff you're just putting him through these paces so you can put him through these specific paces to tell this specific point of view story it's the writer's point of view it's not the character's point of view yeah and that's what's missing from any of this stuff like you can talk about any of this stuff as you want but they're not telling a story with it they're just turning it into a a a laughing stock yeah it's i'm and I, I guess the other confusing to me is the, that they didn't even specifically choose one social issue, right? They're just right. shotgunning literally everything. It's like climate change, immigration policy. Um, this like it's just it, the um, the, str- I mean, I the guess struggle the other of thing, racism and stuff like that. The other thing to think about, which I don't think that, which is this is part of the problem of of going back to two years into our future. Yeah. Um, it doesn't leave you any wiggle room to speculate. So, like, when you've got these ICE agents who are, may as well be the, the Germans from Hogan's Heroes and how yeah. over the top they are portrayed They're extremely as Gestapo in, in yeah. this, yeah. I don't know uh, Sorry, if can I just, before you, before sure, you go sure. into it, <clears throat> and this is also a a point that goes into what I was talking before about no one goes, no one asks what ice is. I've had multiple foreign listeners ask me what ice is. 
because yeah. this is an American idea, right? This is an right. American thing. It stands for Immigration and Customs Enforcement, if people are curious. But it's it's basically our border patrol, like our national border c- patrol. Um, and that's just like, if if you have humans watching the show that are unsure of what ICE is, the characters in the show are definitely yes. unsure of what's going on, you know? Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, my, my point was that uh, when, you've, when you're portraying these characters as such over-the-top villains, the fact that we're in 2024, I don't know if they are trying to portray these things as how they feel they are in 2024. Oh yeah, good point. Or or if this is a intentionally heightened version of this is the 2024 <laughs> of the show. It's going to change so drastically, yeah, I know. Well, you know what I mean? Like I don't know if it, it, it because everything is so similar. Like it's it's just today except it's like 2 years from now and they've got different people running for president. They're they're going to end this with Trump is going to win an election. You know, they it's like I wouldn't be shocked if they have that there's some sort of like election or something that happens at this point. I mean, I'm only semi joking, but I think they're mm-hmm. I like that's like a patron you know, brought up do, the point is do you would you agree and I was wondering about it, like did they just choose this to avoid covid because what this does to me is that when when I read that comment that they basically have pushed this back two years so that no one is wearing masks and it's not strange, at that point, it left me wondering, how much is this reality supposed to mirror human Earth reality? Right. Because it can't. Right. Because in the Star Trek timeline, we've already had like the Third World War and everything like that. So it Has can't that be, happened? I thought that didn't happen. That's for later. Like you, the eugenics yeah. has happened already. Yeah, eugenics has happened. Yeah. Yes. So the Third World War is coming and things should be in rough shape for that. But I, like, I, I understand the rationale to say that it's to avoid the pandemic. But I think that we're in such a well-worn territory in the timeline that you can assume that the Star Trek reality is no longer our reality, right? Because that's it's the too thing. Different. I don't, I don't know because they are not portraying twenty twenty four as anything other than our, our reality, reality, just yeah. slightly heightened. Which is yeah, kind, of, which yeah. is what my point is. Where it's like if you if you're that close to uh, the time where the show is airing, I don't know if you are speculating and intentionally going over the top or if like you are making a comment on things happening now in a way that feels very short-sighted and and not really thought out (laughs) right so you're giving yourself no time for this change to happen either you know it's just like in in the next year things are going to get pretty bad yeah yeah i mean hey if if they are speculating i mean it's it's really pretty uh pretty a damning indictment of the Biden administration. If under <laughs> Biden, ICE turns into literal Nazis, I guess. But, um, but you know, but like, yeah, it, it, I wish they had made an attempt to contextualize it in the world of Star Trek a little bit better. Yeah, because everything just looks so normal. And like you're saying, people who know are like, wait a minute, the eugenics wars have happened. They like shit doesn't look like it does now in 2024 other stuff has happened the third world war is a couple is 20 years away you've got the uh the the, the camps happening in san francisco yep. or whatever like that stuff is should have happened and is happening but they're not really dealing with that so anybody who doesn't know that is just reading this as oh it's just 2024 as though it was two years from now yeah and so i it makes me wonder who this is for at that point yep a constant problem with these new shows between the references and the plotting and everything like that i find the um uh 
I find 24 to 2024 to be extremely distracting. To have these characters walking around in LA is extremely yeah. bizarre to me. Yes. It just it really doesn't feel right. Like you know, when um in DS9's past tense, which is what all these tent cities are referencing here, there's like signs for sanctuary cities. That's the one where they go back in time to the the mm-hmm. bell riots and stuff like that. That still felt like a set and it didn't feel like it was reality, you know? It didn't feel like it was a modern Right sense of it. It felt like it was a, a an exaggerated version of uh, what these tent cities were coming up with. And, you know, I, I I was wondering how much I could complain about this because here the tent stuff seems willfully naive to me about what, like, the reality of those situations are. I, and I was wondering how unfair it was to say that DS9 did it better. But looking back, DS9 played it off as more of a parable about, uh, like, a um the wealth like unfairness like distribution of wealth type of argument mm-hmm. that, that there were haves and have nots mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. the problem is you're saying is that the picard series is so mired and so stuck in our current reality those tent cities in present day are not about haves and have nots those are just they're open air drug markets that we basically allow to exist in mm-hmm. in this world and it's like People need help and stuff, yes, but the reason that those things exist is because of this whole sort of mentality of that, like, you can't tell people what to do, and it's, it's not fair to treat people that way or whatever. But it's not, it's not the DS9 parable anymore. So it's this, it comes across as they're lecturing us about this as, like, incredibly just out of touch, and it's not, it's not a fable anymore. It's, there's right, nothing to learn. Right. It's just they're just politically wrong about what they're talking about and they're not even trying to really examine anything at all to sort of prove the characters right or wrong or anything or right. make an argument. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. And like D- Deep Space 9 had the benefit of saying that it was 15 years or so in the future, I mean 20 years and so in the future from the point where the show is coming right. out. Right, it so was a distance. Of, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which you don't have here. Like it, it's it does it does show me a little bit that they have maybe thought about what there is to do and you're they're really threading needles in existing uh, canon spaces at this point because it's like okay we need to send them back in time we can't send them it would be it would be too expensive to send them back to like twenty ninety. Yeah, because we'd have to fabricate as much as we would have to fabricate if it was just the regular show. But we can't really send them back to like 2050 because that's in the middle of the Third World War, right? Which isn't—I mean, would pro- it would honestly probably be more interesting if they had done that, <laughs> uh, and honestly, more timely, frankly. Yep. Um, so you have to pick a a point where you to send them back to, and it's like, well, anything anything before like 2019 turns into a period piece and that's expensive (laughs) (laughs) picard logs onto facebook for the first time or something yeah yeah like i i i'm i i would have sent them back to 1985 or something but but you know it's yeah it's just they end up being strapped into this literalization of the not too distant future which is literally two years from now yep and it's like this show is not going to age at all no it's already it already seems old because they produced it a couple months ago and stuff has already changed. You know, it's right, like, it's right. so rapid. Um, last point about it, I guess, is that sorry. One last thing about this. Sure. Uh, going back to Back to the Future Part Two, um, 
the thing that's interesting is that the future of Back to the Future Part Two is not the is not the 2015 that we live in. It is the 2015 if it just continued to stay 1985 for 30 years. Sure. Like that's so you end up getting that. So it, the 1985 aesthetic is still there, but it's just jacked up, and all the references are from 1985, but they're all just jacked up. You know, obviously, you know that kind of thing. Um, th- that makes it difficult in this situation to do because you're is if the 2024 is just 2021 or 2022 of the show. I, my my eyes are going cross eyed at this point, but <laughs> it just I it's just another. It was a bad idea. To send them back to this point in time. That's no, all I'm going to say. It is. It's a strange. It's it's got to be budgetary, right? Like they are they are just trying to thread that needle of chronology that you can um, to their. It detriment. honestly, it honestly wouldn't bother me as much if there was more story to it. No, yeah, and, yeah, and like if there was more, if the characters that you sent back are being directly affected in a way where 2024 is presenting them with a situation and a point of view that is different than their own other than just man this place is terrible. Yeah, it's um in some ways it's kind of an I might be losing myself here like there's was this an enterprise problem I'm trying to remember. I I feel that in a better written show the characters would have different points of view about this time. And it's what we liked about the last episode where seven likes this period because no one thinks that she's a freak or is scary. Right. She's a Borg. That's gone. And yeah, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no difference of opinion amongst anybody. Right. And right. like Q is off there doing a difference of opinion, but Q is still so useless and mysterious that it's unclear as to what exactly is going on with that or where that mm-hmm. matters. Um, I guess we can wrap up with Q because Q is the last thing that you see. Um, well, and there's the P- Picard meets the Watcher or whatever, which is someone who looks like Blaris. Uh, yeah, been taken sure. to a door, and then whatever. we'll see what that is. Uh, and then there's <clears throat> Q at the very end. Um, I don't really know what I have to like. He, he's clear. He's ill. Is the breakdown there? Something's going wrong. His snaps are unintentionally off. I was wondering at that. I think I might. I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast, but his snaps yeah, seemed did, off. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just i I like you as a character. They've done four episodes now where he basically just speaks in riddles, and mm. this was not really a trait of his for you know like he would speak like this but there, there has to be a point eventually the right. only thing that i'll throw it to you is that apparently that flashback is before picard arrives on earth does that did that did you realize that no who how how could you possibly have known that you can see the date on the newspaper nobody's paying attention to that i know but like that's what's weird about this show it pays attention to weird small things like that so q that scene is apparently based on the date of the newspaper happening before Picard arrives back in the timeline. So it's a flashback basically. Okay. I don't, it doesn't mean anything to me at this point. I'm just, did you, you do you, do you know who the girl is that he was watching? No, no one, no one seems to know. The book is a Dixon Hill book written by an old TNG writer. She is listed in the credits as Renee Picard. Okay. Who is apparently, I, uh, I guess she was mentioned 
abstractly in the first episode where he talks where Picard talks about ancestors of his being influential in okay. the creation of the first, you know, soul mission or Yeah, I don't know what that um that building that he's out she's outside of is the building named after the guy who invents the Nomad probe, which is a TOS thing, which is like an AI probe that goes out into deep space. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else there. Like there's really nothing to talk about, but it, she's so she's an ancestor of Picard's is the point there. Yeah, and uh, apparently Q has some really deep-seated hatred of her cuz he's really Yeah. He's really spitting some angry metaphors at her and I'm not really sure what's going on. Is he I I mean is I viewed it as he was seeing her as Picard essentially and he's he's ranting about Picard to her. Oh um, yeah, sure maybe. But they they've gone so long without explaining what Q's upset about or what he thinks Picard has done and Picard in the show has never thought it worthwhile to ask you why are you so mad at me and what do you keep claiming that i've done <laughs> to this point um it's a pe- it's a penance wes what else do you need to know it's a penance ghost rider's greatest power yes that's true <laughs> the penance, penance stare, stare. was <laughs> that would make this that would make this show better if ghost rider showed up <laughs> do um is that the most exciting power for a comic artist to have the stare <laughs> <laughs> actually you know <clears throat> It's uh, it's not it's it's not as uh, silly as you'd think because it does allow a lot of really kind of surrealistic uh, drawing yeah. when you're visualizing that stuff. Yeah, so you can, can really go fun. crazy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he does he doesn't shoot light. He doesn't shoot beams out of his eyes or anything. He just stares at you. I think. And makes yeah, you, yeah, he just kind of stares at you, and then you're, you know, you have a, you basically um, relive all the hurt you've caused or something. Right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, much like Tom Paris, maybe. Maybe they just gave him the penance stare in that episode of <laughs> oh, right. that we just covered. I didn't realize this was going to be so timely when we when we covered that the other day. But. Yeah, I guess that maybe the production team knew that this was happening and they they wanted to time it out for that Voyager episode ex post facto. Yeah, uh, I guess we're done. Did you have any other final thoughts about this one? I thought this is one of the stupidest episodes of the show this season. I, I this is the point in our Patreon coverage where I start to wonder about the ethics of covering the show and charge people for it. I'm glad people like our coverage, but it's so... Um, and I know that people aren't particularly shocked when we go negative on it because it, this does seem to be the skew of how these modern shows go. But it is like... I look at it just going like, guys, this is... I'm sorry the show is so bad and I'm sorry the podcast evolves into us going like, what the hell is going on? But seriously, like, what the hell is going on with the show? Yeah, um, it's just really frustrating because uh, I feel like the show, it's a symptom of, of all modern shows, not just Star Trek, but I feel like these Star Trek shows in particular um, think they're a lot smarter than they are, mm. and especially when it comes to quote-unquote mystery that they put into these things. Yeah. Like... It's not even it's, mystery. They just don't tell the you the info. Exactly. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. It's not a mystery if all they're doing is presenting you with images and situations that you have no frame of reference to understand what they are in the first place. Yeah. Um. So, like, yeah, I, I it, it just if there, if there was something that was more directly driving all of this. I think it wouldn't be as bad, and I think if the heavy-handedness of the commentary they're doing actually 
meant something to the characters it maybe it wouldn't have been as wouldn't be as bad but yeah. as it stands it's just man i don't i don't know yeah i could i could deal with the bad political takes if it was grounded in a story that picard you know or rios meets a immigrant child or something you know there's like a, there's a way to add a little bit of sure, pathos yeah. to this stuff and it's just it doesn't doesn't come across here um like like at this point how many episodes is this 10 10 yeah 10 we're almost halfway through the show and the cliffhanger they left us on in this episode is how are Rafi and seven of nine going to get rios off a bus headed to mexico yep yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's why they come to Star why Trek isn't, for. Why isn't one of those characters going, I'm sorry, we have we have a limited amount of time to do this thing. We have to leave him. At least there's a point of view yeah. that they are they they <laughs> turns into a conflict instead of, you know, like, what are they correct. there for? Yeah, yeah. why isn't I, I feel like why is Raffi, of all people, after the display that she put on in episode two or episode three? Why is she wasting time going to get Rios instead of driving only towards fixing the timeline to bring Elmore back? Yeah. That's yeah, true. Raffi's a little bit a little bit odd. Do a quick um actually we won't have time for that. I'll I'll go out with this final question to you. When they're making these shows, do you think the priority when they're breaking these stories is to drive internet speculation? Is that like um, it, yes? I think it's big. It's baked into it. Yeah. So they they consciously sit there in the room and go, "How can we make this so that people will chatter about this for the next?" Week? I would. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all. It really seems like the main driver of this stuff, and that's what's kind of upsetting to me is that it does work. It's like an effective yeah. troll job to generate chatter about your show, and it's sorry. Go ahead. No, that's I'm I'm done. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's such like a dark reflection of what television used to be. And I don't mean this to sound like, you know, I'm an old man or something, but it it, it very much feels like almost a sci-fi take on what uh, weekly television turned into, where it went from... It's a good Dark Mirror episode, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) People watched a show, people liked a show, people talked about a show. Great. Now... The talking about the show is more valuable to the people who make the show than people actually watching the show. Yes. So the shows are being crafted to make people talk about them, regardless of whether or not the show itself is any good. Right. And not talk about something important. Just talk about whether or not the timeline makes sense. You know, it's like there's no there's no people don't walk away from this going like, my God, I really have things to talk about with uh, the way that we're handling our immigration policy. You come away going. Why is this not the right Guinan? Why is that- <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not quality conversations people are having here. It's, no. It's like, it's que- it's conversations about why new shows don't line up with 30-year-old shows. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, and somehow that translates into success for the people who make these things. I don't know why. Final thing about Guinan before we go. She has a shotgun in this, right? And mm-hmm. the shotgun is one of those things that really irritates me because... When you say this is strange that Guinan has a shotgun and is pointing it at Picard, some Trek fan is going to go, well, there's that episode in TNG where the bar starts breaking out into a fight because everyone's under the mental control of aliens and Guinan pulls a huge space rifle out from underneath the bar, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which does happen. And I always find that very unfortunate because that seems 
that to me is the same thing as the punk here, where the show doesn't really seem to understand that it's kind of a joke in the original. And playing it deathly serious here is really odd. And it's do you odd. Think that's a, do you think that's a direct callback to I, that? I would have to assume that it is. That's the only reason why I can understand that Guinan has a shotgun in her bar. Well, I mean, I just assumed it's, you know, it's more of a cliche. The guy, the shot, the barkeep has a bat or a shotgun or something behind the bar. I that, that's, and I, that's why I think it's a joke in TNG. Because in the future, right, Guinan yeah. has, a bar, uh, has a shotgun under the bar, basically. I, right. I'm going to give them some props and say they're probably making a reference there because they referenced literally everything else in this show. Um, it's algorithmically driven to generate content and make references. That's what this does. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that I'm just, I just, my only point is that it really, it tears me up because it isn't like that character has done stuff like that before, but it doesn't really excuse how stupid it is in this show. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I would agree. Yeah, that's it. We're done with Picard. The next episode is back. I think it's called To the Stars or something like that. I, I don't know. Only some sites ever tend to list the next episodes. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the content today. We'll be covering the rest of Picard in Strange New Worlds. Thanks for all please, the generous support. Thanks for listening please, to the Batman episode. <laughs> please, Star Trek gods, please let that show not be dog shit. It's got to be better than this, right? I hope so. I don't know. We'll see. Strange New Worlds. We'll give it a whirl anyway. I think Strange New Worlds is only 10 episodes too, and we're you know what? already halfway through Picard. Do you know what they should start doing? Like We're talking about crafting these shows for generating conversation online versus actually generating actual quality content. They should just start recasting all the original characters and then just only have them show up as background extras. Yeah. Because like... Oh my God! They recast Captain Kirk. Everybody talks about it for two months, and and so you get traffic driving towards the show. But like, why do we need Captain Kirk in the show? Right. I would prefer to not have Captain Kirk in the show. So why don't you just do it for the clicks? Actually, recast them, and then oh, here he goes. He walks by. Hey, hey, Kirk. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah, just have um. I noticed that Denise Crosby is in Mad Men second season in a Mm -hmm. very, very small role. She has like two lines uh, worth of dialogue. And uh, but I think that they could just add her into this. Just have her be like the grocery checkout person. You know, and everyone go, what does that mean? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. She kind of looks Romulan there. (laughs) How many timelines are we dealing with at this point? Yeah. Yeah. It's like I was saying last week. They should have just gone all into it and had the 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 past that he goes into be a uh, um, what the fuck is the Deep Space Nine thing? Benny a Benny Russell situation oh, sure. where all of the actors from TNG show up as just normal people. I, <laughs> I would love it. I it hope, would be great. I, I hope. I hope. Uh, Avery, Avery Brooks knows better. He's not coming back to this. I know people were thinking that if, we're expecting it'll happen. I I'll if, be very Avery sad. Brooks, if Avery Brooks shows up in this show, <laughs> I don't know how I will handle it because, <laughs> on the one hand, I will be very excited to see what kind of batshit crazy performance he, he gives. Yeah, in. it'll it'll be a plus. But on the other hand, what was he? Was he gonna buy a boat or something? Like what? He's got to have better sense than to i wouldn't show up for a picard show you kidding me i would say you give me a ben cisco show and then then maybe we'll talk i know 
Yeah, I, and I don't, I don't even really want that. Um, I guess we're done. Thanks, everybody, you know for what, listening. You know what, Ben Cisco floating in the void for 10 episodes? <laughs> I, bet, I bet you could get him if you sold it to Avery Brooks that. No, it's, it's Ben. He's, he's in the void. He's in there with the prophets, and it's just Ben Cisco thinking about existence for 10 hours. <laughs> Playing the piano. <laughs> yeah. That would get him there. Um, just quick final point before we go. Apparently the little uh, sequence when Picard gets grabbed by Laris and they go through that square doorway of smoke at the very end mm-hmm. is a reference to a TOS alien. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. Do you know anything about that? That, that alien? That alien I don't. is in the... Um, I'm pretty sure that that episode is the backdoor pilot that Roddenberry was trying to make while he was working on Star Trek. So... Ah. It's an episode it's an episode where they go back in time to the 60s and they're walking around in basically another show that's going on. Um I see. And the alien is a an alien pretending to be a human. He's called a supervisor. So which is where they come from the watches here with supervisors or whatever. Oh, interesting. Anyway, yeah. we'll see. At a certain point the connections become uh something that makes me want to vomit like Gina <laughs> did in this episode. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with the next Picard. We will see you later. Yeah.